1: another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley in the wake of Notre Dame's big win at Duke on Saturday and of course news of Jalen Smith declaring for the NFL draft. No uh, no surprise there and of course plenty of recruiting to talk about. Let's start with basketball though because I don't think any of us expected under the circumstances for Notre Dame to go to Duke and come away with a win, but. We really shouldn't be surprised. Mike Bray does this quite frequently. And it's not quite the same Duke yep. basketball team that won a national title I, last I'm year.
0: still surprised, though, because this yep. is the best. Pete had just mentioned it. I mean, I said, it's a stunning win. They've never won at Duke. This is, he, you did a great story on all his road wins. And certainly last year, going to Tobacco Road in North Carolina, winning that game, winning at Louisville. This is remarkable. To go beat wow. Duke at Duke. And, we, you know, they're not the national championship Duke team. They're, numbered, they're a top ten team. No doubt about it. All their guys, not deep either. Of no, course, but, but four other guys would start for every team in the country. Sure. There's nothing wrong with Duke, and to win that to win that game, not to just go play well, but to win that game after losing by 30 last year with a better team is remarkable. Yeah,
2: he's Bray's had bigger wins. There's no question. I mean, he had a yeah. handful yeah. of them last year, sure. especially uh, you know in the NCAA tournament. He had one against Duke last year. Yeah. That was bigger. <laughs> he has not had more shocking wins than this one. I mean, this is just. You know, and we could talk about oh, they're good on the road, and you know, he, he can mix and match, and they figure out a way to win the game. They shouldn't. They don't. They never figure out a way to win this game. I mean, this yeah. this win never happens for him. So literally, it has never happened. I too. mean, to do to do that with this roster, I mean, you talk, okay, Duke doesn't play a whole lot of guys. Notre Dame doesn't either. Uh They played some new guys. I mean, Rex Fluger is somebody we really haven't heard much from all year, and I think in recruiting and watching his film, you're like, this is a guy who can come in and help you you know, get you eight points here, get you ten points there, get you, you know, a couple threes, you know, in this game. But, you know, to do that at Duke over the weekend when I absolutely had to do it, because on the broadcast they made a good point. Notre Dame was not going to win that game with defense because Notre Dame doesn't play good defense. But they can, if they can score (laughs) in the 90s, they're going to beat a whole lot of teams, including Duke. But you didn't expect them to score in the 90s in this game,
1: you know. But... You know, when I look at this Nordam team, I think I said it last week. I mean, individually, you see, there are a lot of good individual parts, but they hadn't come together as a team. And even going into Duke, after winning, uh, after defeating Georgia Tech at home earlier in the week, it was like, okay, you can lose this game. You're going to come home and play Virginia Tech and Boston College at home. You can come out of that four and three, and then you move on. But Nordam went in there and played so courageously, and there's no doubt that their experience last year helped guys like Vastoria and Jackson. And Colson, not so much August, who we've seen many times shrinks up a little bit when he gets into those situations. But when he had to rebound, he did. When he had to get a funny rebound off the rim on a on a, a poor free throw attempt by Jackson, he he came up with a rebound and then miraculously made two free throws to to seal the basketball game.
0: <laughs> you know, the best actually the best part about that game for Zach August was he without that odd rebound. If Demetrius Jackson hits that free throw, Zach August doesn't get to leave that game feeling as good as he does. For a 62% free throw shooter to hit two free throws at Duke to clinch it, (laughs) I mean, without saying he lost it, he lost a game earlier this year in Orlando because he missed two free throws with 20 seconds left. So to do that, to go 3 of 12 on layups, semi-contested layups, but to come out of the game feeling good because he had 14 boards and the clinching free throws, that's a best-case scenario. It worked right. It worked
1: out best. And I've got to say, I mean, Bonzi Colson, all the respect in the world, here's a guy that gets and we don't want to say benched, because he certainly didn't get right. benched he got moved to six man but he played a bit role on Wednesday night against Georgia Tech played just 17 minutes made 2 of 7 and this is really the kind of response that you expect from Bonzi Colson based upon watching this kid for a year and a half he just responds and i and i would in no way having grown up around northern basketball i'm no way am i saying that he's Adrian Dantley but his game reflects Adrian Dantley where he's undersized he uses his body he pounds around the basket, and he had just an absolutely tremendous
2: game coming off the bench. I mean, it's poor man, poor man's Draymond Green to, you know, find a more contemporary yeah. you know, comparison. I yeah. think that's like, he just does a little bit of everything. And he scores. He's a scorer. He is a scorer. Yeah, <laughs> he just plays plays well with others. He'd be good on his report <laughs> card and daycare. Um, so, I just, I mean, when you can get him on, and then Demetrius usually is not going to play. like, He's fairly consistent. Vesturi is reliable. Um, and if Colson can move into the reliable category, then you, you know, we've, Notre Dame's always had sort of the big three. And I don't think anybody would think, well, it's going to be Colson, Vesturi, and Jackson. Yeah. That doesn't strike But you know what? It's break three.
1: break hold it after the game on Wednesday yeah. that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's Colson's the guy that steps forward and that's the kind of guy he is. And... You know, I mean, he had August's back because if he doesn't step up and play like the big man that that they need August to play like, they don't win this game.
0: And Pete used the perfect word for Vestoria, reliable, but he was actually an All-American in that game. He wasn't reliable. He was 4 or 5 from 3 with 22 points, 3 reverse layups. I mean, that's reliable is what he normally is, 11 points, Mm -hmm. 4 assists, 1 turnover. He was great, and we have Demetrius Jackson. He was the most important player on the floor in a game where Bonzi Colson scored thirty. To meet Steve Vastoria scored twenty-two. Without him, none of this is possible. And credit Trzeciowski, there was that one point where Jackson had three fouls, and they immediately went at him to get a fourth foul. That's Trzeciowski basically saying, "If I can get him out, it doesn't matter what else is going on because yeah, they that's won't true. function." He's He's a first-round draft pick, and he's a part running back. It's incredible yeah. watching him play.
1: Well, great win for them and, and just what they needed, and suddenly the perspective one week later after saying numerous things a week ago that would indicate that this basketball team was reeling really and in trouble. They've turned it around. They're 3-2. We thought they would be 2-3 and three with a chance to hold serve at home and come away after this week with a 5-2 and two record, which would be outstanding.
0: And two wins now, Duke and Iowa, that are top of the food chain yeah. for your NCAA tournament. Yeah, no
2: question. I mean, yeah, they, yeah, they go yeah. from really NIT for sure to, yeah, they got a really good chance to, no to make it, it, it. Uh, to the tournament. Tied for 50 in ACC now. So uh moving back to football, our usual spot. Jalen Smith declared for the draft just after, I think we finished recording last week. So, I mean, no real surprise there, but you got the five five out they and they sort of had the, the clean sweep, which I think was a little bit of a surprise. I think, you know, if you had asked us a couple months ago, before the bowl game, would Notre Dame lose all five of those guys? None of us would no. have said that, um, but here they are. That it, uh, so it's a it's a big roster turnover. Um, you know, I guess Jalen Smith. All you can do is say, "Hey, great three years, man. That was uh, he was fun to watch." And now it's he's going to get picked over medically for the next three months, heading towards the draft. But uh, it's been interesting to sort of monitor mock drafts to see where he goes. You still see him in the first round, some places, which is. Which is interesting to me, but um, you got to think once he comes back, he's going kind to of a very successful yeah, had career. had him in twentieth to the, to the Jets. Jets.
0: Yeah, Tim had uh, Tim referenced Adrian Dantley with due respect. Um, I think twenty five years from now, you're saying, I'm not going to say this guy I'm watching on film is Jalen Smith because yeah. nobody no, is. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's Jalen Smith. I mean, they're for people that don't realize it from watching him, it's you just these. You're not going to see him again here at Notre Dame in the next. I mean, maybe you get one in the next 20 years. He's, even he's if, amazing. Even
1: if Caleb Kelly chooses
0: yes. Notre
1: Dame. He's a no. very, very good player, but he's not the name. And, and he, will he
2: choose Notre uh, not. Dame? Probably not. Yeah. Hey, Brian Kelly compared Asmar Bilal to, uh, to Jalen Smith when I talked to him at the Fiesta Bowl. He will not. Do just that in a, like, he might kind of remind you sometimes here <laughs> or there kind of way, which is probably. That's great. I mean, yeah. that's like, that's an honorable mention to All-American. Yeah, he does it once a game, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, I guess other transactional news that, um, you know, Brian Kelly is still the head coach in our name. So, we haven't had any emergency podcasts, but I think we referenced that because the Giants made a head coaching hire. Yeah. That was not Brian Kelly. Um, I was not sure who Bob McAdoo was. Yeah. Is it Bob McAdoo? <laughs> Well, it's that's a former basketball, basketball player. player. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> whether ben, it, is it ben? ben McAdoo. I think it's Ben I don't know. Yeah. But it, <laughs> I got to say, like, you, you look at some of the coaching hires, and like, Brian Kelly could do that. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's well, like, I come away thinking, like, yeah, I think he would be. But totally he has fine zero NFL, NFL
1: experience, and those guys yeah. do have experience. Just because we don't know the name, that's probably more of an indictment upon us. Yeah, than it is. <laughs> we don't know our coach McAdoo, Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: sure, but like you know, you can be the Forty ers last year and lose, lose yeah. Jim Harbaugh and hire Jim Thomasula and be on the way out one yeah. week later. So yeah. I think maybe Brian Kelly could have had that job last year too. Yeah, fine. Yeah, but is-
1: I, you know, there's. I mean, I think we've talked about this. I think Brian Kelly looks at the Notre Dame job a lot differently than he did three years ago. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and that's to Notre Dame's benefit. I know there are people that, you know, Brian Kelly doesn't live up to their expectations quite well enough, but having been through, you know, prior to him, the 20 years prior to him where you were constantly spinning your wheels and taking a step forward and taking a step back, I just talked to Courtney Watson speaking of a player being on a team that went really good, really bad, really good, really bad. um yeah I'll take Brian Kelly because he's he's a consistent winner he's got the organization running the way you would like it to I really like this recruiting class I think there's a bunch of key key components in this class and the last thing you want to do is be you know you try to you try to upgrade from Brian Kelly and chances are you're not going to upgrade at all
0: no and I have a we'll we'll tease the next segment burning up the boards I have an answer what what how you should look at Brian Kelly if you're a Notre Dame fan when we get to one of these questions about 2016, because I think it's relevant. It's something I looked up this morning when I was looking over these questions. And I mean, he's built a program. That's the difference. You talk about up, down, up, oh, down. Oh, yeah. That, that's right. That, that's the difference. Right.
1: Pete, some some recruiting news coming yeah. out of the weekend?
2: You had uh, five star linebacker Ben Davis in for an official visit he's from Gordo, Alabama. His father was uh, the. Crimson Tide's all-time leading tackler, um, so he's not just a Alabama legacy. He's a really, really good Alabama legacy, and he came out of the visit. He told Jake Brown yesterday that uh, Notre Dame's third behind Alabama and Georgia. If you can't take the lead on a kid on an official visit, yeah, you're out. Yeah. Um, so, not a huge surprise that you're scratching him off the list. Um, you know, other linebacker news: Jeffrey McCullough told our Anna Hickey that he'll make a signing day decision now. Notre Dame's among the five finalists there. Texas is, certainly has a lot of momentum. He took an official visit there just this weekend, so that's something to monitor. Caleb Kelly, uh, still Notre Dame, running behind Oklahoma, in my opinion, with Oregon third. And then really the recruit who's, I think, the most interesting, at least today, is Demetrius Robertson, the fi- now a five-star on Scout.com athlete from Georgia. He's having an in-home with Ryan Kelly, Scott Booker, Mike Sanford, Autry Denson today. Um, they scheduled this for Martin Luther King Day because they felt like there was going to be no distractions. You know, there's not, you got it. you don't. Know, you're not coming from school, going to school, you're just off. So they can spend a few hours with that family, um, Robertson's brother as well, which Notre Dame has been working over to essentially be an ally for them. And they feel like they're really in it. It's, Notre Dame, Alabama, and Georgia. While the kidless Stanford, Stanford's not involved. Um, so it's can you beat out Nick Saban and the guy who coached with Nick Saban? Um, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's an uphill climb for Notre Dame, but they are cautiously optimistic, um, and I think that. If today goes well, they will no longer be cautiously; they'll just be optimistic. Did he?
1: I assume he picked up that five star from Scout after they saw Army his bowl, kick yeah. return in the Army Bowl. Yeah, or, just, a five eleven guy's taking strides like a six foot four guy. He's team. a
2: really interesting dude. It, I, I feel like he's built like a six three, a short six three. It, I it, mean, it looks that way when he runs. Got, when I saw him at the opening, it's you, he's got some like. Gumby qualities to him Where he just like <laughs> Their arms and legs Going everywhere and, Like That is could, a compliment Right <laughs> Yeah Retorting yeah. okay. at weird angles And he just like Gets the balls That you don't think He should be able to get to uh, And he like Hangs in the air In a way that you don't It's like, interesting That does sense Every, It's just a really unique athlete
1: Athletes are all different You know I mean A long 5'11 guy Or isn't that about what he is Yeah but, You know it's He's an interesting athlete Because when I saw that kick return In the Army ball I'm like D- How long How tall is this dude He's just got he's got a he's got a a, a long sprinter stride yeah, to him. Arms and legs are everywhere on yeah. this
2: kid. You
0: know, about eight years ago, I used a Gumby reference for
2: Zach Hillsland, but I feel like this is <laughs> different from, <laughs> but, I but, uh, is. from what, what I was using. That yeah, was S- similar but different. <laughs> uh, but I mean, this is a guy that Notre Dame. Let's be honest; they don't get this guy very often. Yeah. Um, you know, I was sort of thinking about prospects that don't have a natural link to Notre Dame from the SEC area that Notre Dame is getting, and you're, you're talking about. Like a Fulston Bryant, and beyond that, they're really, and I'm talking at the higher level guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have you know Devin Studsill, Spencer Perry, not guys like that. When you're beating Alabama for a guy that yeah. Alabama really wants, um, that does not happen a lot for Notre Dame. It hasn't really happened in the last couple of years. Um, you know, maybe a. Uh, Stefan Um I was going to say 2011. With there Lynch was no. And yeah, like Lynch at least kind of had a connection to the ring, but Toowitz did not. And they just went in and they just recruited the hell out yeah. of him. And uh, they're kind of doing that with Demetrius Robertson right now.
1: A couple other receivers Pete, Damian Alloway, Nate Johnson, a current Michigan uh, commitment.
2: Yeah, um, those guys are sort of still hanging around. Nate Johnson was uh, a new to the list guy last week. Notre Dame, just they need another receiver in this class bad and they can't just hope that it's gonna be Demetrius Robertson. And and really if they could take two more receivers, they would. Um, you know, they're at the position now where they're not beyond they're they're at the eighty five man limit if sort of everyone returned that we think is gonna return. That's not how life works um <laughs> in college football today. So they would like to get to eighty seven out of the eighty five, basically get where they were last year, and you know, that created an entire off season of I think message board hyperventilation about how are they going to get down to eighty five. Well, the season rolls around and you're awarding Josh Anderson a scholarship, and that will probably happen again, I'm even sure. if you get to eighty seven or eighty eight. Um, so yeah, they want a couple more linebackers and they want a couple more receivers, and then they'll sort it out at the end. They're, at, um, you know, they're not going to be afraid to to get to the twenty five man limit and then mm-hmm. have a out later.
1: Okay, we will. Uh, that's the end of segment one. We'll come back, segment two. We'll take questions from our readers, and I'm sure that I'm sure there'll be more recruiting questions within there.
0: Welcome back to segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. Burning up the boards. uh, First question, we're going to continue with recruiting here from SUJB9. I think this is probably the annual January question. If you could pick one surprise but realistic commit, who would it be? And by this he means... Not the most likely guy to commit, but who could turn out to be the most valuable player if he does indeed come to Notre Dame?
2: I think it's Demetrius Robertson, um, you know, who we spent some time at the end of the previous segment. Like, Notre Dame doesn't get that guy a whole lot. Um, Alabama's a real good judge of talent. They want him yeah. bad. I mean, there there's a difference between, like, when Khalid Kareem dropped Alabama, that was more of a mutual decision at best, might be being generous there. Demetrius Robertson dropped Alabama, that was. Demetrius Robertson just wanted to do something else. He wanted to evaluate it. Alabama wants him real bad. Um, Georgia wants him real bad. And Notre Dame does too. And I think when Brian Kelly's in home, probably as you're listening to this podcast, if he's not pulling up his iPad and being like, hey, you see these routes that Will Fuller ran? Like, duh. I mean, that that's what I think Demetrius Robertson could bring to the table. And whereas Notre Dame has some good linebackers, um, they do not have a receiver at even close, in my opinion, to Demetrius Robertson. So he's he would be my pick for this.
1: I love yeah. Jeffrey McCulloch's yeah. game. and I've talked about him the last couple weeks, a linebacker. Um, Pete, where do you think their chances are when you mentioned Texas? I mean, look, they have a better chance of McCulloch than they do Robertson.
2: No, I don't think so. Okay, um, You know, I, I think that McCulloch... You know, the time he's a little bit off there now because... Notre Dame approached that recruitment strategically in terms of Brian Kelly's in-home visit under the assumption that he was going to commit at the Under Armour All-American game in early January, because that's what he said he was going to do. Right. So they were in there immediately with Kelly to close the deal and get him to announce, and I think that if he had announced it at that game, it would have been Notre Dame. Well, now he's backing off a whole month. And he's visiting Texas and Alabama. And Alabama's yeah, done exactly. some good things since then. Yeah. So it's I they're I'm not saying they're trending out with McCulloch, but they're trending down. Whereas I think with Robertson, that seems to be breaking their way right now. Um so I I would say if they were gonna get one, I'd probably go with Robertson. I, I'm not saying it's eighty percent Robertson and to 20. answer right. the oh. question yeah. that's yeah. that's the best Ro- fit. Ro- to the Robertson question. is is the guy that I think if you get him then you look at this class a lot differently. Right. Um, whereas if you get McCulloch or Caleb Kelly, um I think they'll get Jonah Morris. I think they'll get Jonathan Jones. Like they'll get some linebackers. Um but at receiver you can come in and make an an impact right away. You don't have to sit there and learn the scheme yeah. for two years. Yeah. Um, so I think Dimitri Robertson <laughs> could be <a laughs> at least two to at least two years, yeah.
1: depending upon, of course, yeah. who the coordinators. Uh, M. Solner asks, "Who who do you think would lead Notre Dame to more wins in 2016 as a starter? Malik Zaire or Deshaun Kaiser? Who's the best fit given our personnel returning?" That's a good question. It's a great I think question. The tu- yeah, I think the second question, yeah, that's... is more di- is difficult to answer. Although we didn't think that when. Deshaun Kaiser took over a start. Remember we said, I know I did, well, they're not going to do as many quarterback runs with Kaiser a quarterback, and maybe Zaire would have ended up running a little bit more, but certainly they ran the football with Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah,
0: that's you know, the second question's great. Um, And I read this first. I misread it. I thought, who will lead during more wins? And I was just going to take my guess as of January. But no, this is, yeah, this, I I mean, I will go back to August when the one, you know, we were, we undervalued Kaiser, but we all did come out of August saying he's a better passer than Malik ever, Zaire. Brian Kelly under, Yeah, no, but, Sean Sean but looking at, at him in point, August, we, you know. we said, hey, he's a better <clears throat> passer than Malik yeah. Zaire. And we were almost apologetic every time we said it because it seemed ridiculous that you would say Kaiser was better than Notre Dame's starting quarterback, but he is a better passer. I don't know who was a better fit. Um, I, I, I just don't know what. We can't look at the Texas game from Malik Zaire and say that's. The baseline. You're going to have oh. ups and downs, and ups yeah. and downs. I mean, they scuffled a little against Virginia. You Suffled know, I, a lot. Yeah, I'm going to go honestly since I'm. You know, it, it's January. Obviously, we're going to see a lot more in the spring and all that kind of stuff in August. But as of now, I think Kaiser is the better choice for the current team. That's the best way I can say it. I think he's. I think Kaiser
2: is the dual threat quarterback yeah. because he is a threat to pass the ball more consistently. Yeah. Malik Zayer. Malik Zaire would really have to push his game forward. In a huge, huge way, which is very possible. Um, You know, Brian Kelly mentioned this. I think on ESPN on the day of the national championship game, like I'm open to playing two quarterbacks next year. I think he's definitely going to play two quarterbacks. Both these both these guys are going to play meaningful reps immediately next season. Boy, and that's a hell of a challenge. It really is,
0: but it just doesn't happen well consistently. It's very. It's a huge challenge, but you know, also they are two of the best players on the team, probably. Yeah. Does that make, you know what I'm saying, where you, you have yeah, to... Yeah, definitely. I
1: mean, we don't even, we don't really have any idea what kind of quarterback Malik Zaire is going to be, and that's why well, when he people... He would have been
0: good, though, this you, year. Well, sure, yeah. absolutely, yeah. he
1: would have, because he's a competitor, yeah. and it, it, it's important to him, and his, his heart's in the right place, and all... Which is, you can say all those things about Deshaun Kaiser too, which is why he had the kind of year that he had. But I don't care. I, I, I don't care who wins the job at all. I, no. I don't care. But I think the mistake that some people make is you look at Deshaun Kaiser's first year. I mean, for those that are pulling, quote, pulling for Malik Zaire, you look at Kaiser's first year and you say, oh, well, he can't do this. He can't do that. You don't think he's going to improve? That's what happens with playing time with quarterbacks.
0: Well, the thing that gets me about people detracting from Kaiser is saying he played poorly in the last three games. Now, look. He was great. Not good. Great what? against Stanford. He Wait, was great. Who said that? It's all over the message board. He had three oh. bad games. Now, BC was a rough day. You know, BC was a rough game, and that was a young quarterback. Well, they, don't, they didn't yeah. play well as a team Exactly. And Ohio State was not to be expected, but, you know, you could understand it. He was... If the field goal goes right against Stanford, Deshaun Kaiser is
2: legendary for his final regular season game.
0: It's tremendous. Yeah, <laughs> it's, no, I,
2: I'm I'm with you. I, th- I think that he cl- he closed the season not like on, he was trending down. Right. Uh, so if you want three, of the last four games, if you want to throw Wake Forest in there, that's fine. I yeah. I wouldn't have a huge. But argument. But those are all good,
1: those are all good defenses. I can't just put all that on the quarterback. For example, the Ohio State game, those DBs are covering those receivers. They're mm-hmm. making Deshaun Kaiser indecisive. He can't just throw it. The guys have to be open and formed in order for him to throw the football. Now, did he throw some in the ground and stuff? I mean, you're looking at me like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Jack, where's no, the video for Jack, the video, video going. He's giving me a look like you're a complete <laughs> idiot. No, I just, well, how's it, what, you just want him to
2: throw the ball, whether they're yeah, open or not? That's what he did against Boston College. I mean, it didn't work out very well.
1: Boston College has yeah. a great defense. Wake Forest has a good defense. Ohio State has a great defense. It's hand in hand. It's not just one guy. It's a, it's a, it's a connection.
2: No, I'm just saying he didn't play that well in three of the five. Well, I agree, games. but I don't right. think
1: you can put that all on him. It's got to be on the other end of it too. It's a connection,
0: and I think three I, I think four... I would
2: I would agree mostly with Ohio State in that argument. Um, Wake Forest and BC, I think that he didn't play well, and that's on him that he didn't play well. It wasn't the really only play, guy that didn't play well. What,
1: BC didn't have a good defense this year. They didn't. They, they only a did that defense. against Notre. They
2: had a great defense. <laughs> and Deshaun Kaiser threw the ball to them a handful of times. He did. He played.
1: He I'm not arguing. Ohio see, State he played I, poorly against Ohio, Ohio State. State. I
2: felt like they were overmatched from a talent perspective. Yeah. Like, you know, they're rolling the pocket that didn't suit Kaiser's skill set very well. I didn't understand that him, like was crazy. why they were doing that and Ohio State was especially really once Bates was out. Once Bosa was I, I, once Bosa out, yeah.
1: they just didn't yeah. I didn't understand yeah. that at all. Will Fuller, you know, we remember ankle, he had the big spraying. play. Okay, he was he yeah. was banged up, but we remember the big play. Otherwise, right. he did
0: very, very little in that game. We're going to have 300 conversations about Kaiser and Zaire, but I do think three out of four, I know you have to take something type of sample sizes, 12 games, is a little arbitrary, though, because sure. let's say, add the two games before that, and he accounted for 10 touchdowns with one interception and a 79-yard touchdown run and destroyed Pitt and Temple, also good teams. Yeah, I mean, you can... You know, wait, yeah. Look,
2: hey, the, strong, the reason I... I if I had to guess today, I think it will be Deshaun Kaiser because I think Brian Kelly looks at Deshaun Kaiser and be like, we could beat teams in multiple ways with him. If we have to score 40 points and throw for 375 yards, Deshaun Kaiser can do that. Whereas Malik Zayers, he might be able to be better at beating you one way. And right. I, and yeah. that might be Notre Dame's strength next year as the tight ends develop and they play more of a, a smash mouth style. Kaiser's more of a 12 play, 80 yard drive type quarterback. Uh, because of the running ability, yeah, where you're passing it eight times running. I think Malik Zaire can. You, if you want to have a smash mouth offense, hey, maybe, maybe they go really unconventional and Malik Zaire is your red zone quarterback, and Deshaun Kaiser is your everywhere else yeah. quarterback. You know, uh, who he, knows?
1: You said it during the season. I mean, the the arc of a of a young player, especially a young quarterback, all over the place. It's right. It's not in one direction, right. and to expect him to. He should get better every game during his first year? That's not reality. It doesn't work that way. And and my only point in November is the team's banged up. And, I mean, you can go go back and look at the archives. Going into the end of the season, it was like these are way better defensive teams than what they've been facing. And it's going to level off a little bit. Wake Forest had solid numbers across the board that was a bad offensive performance yeah. by everybody. It 45 had, snaps in that game, too, right? right. Was well, Right, right. the defense yeah. played poorly, but Wake Forest had a solid defense. Boston College had a, a really good defense, and Ohio State is Ohio
2: State. All right, next up, Wash N.D. Although Steve Elmer had ret- has turned into a solid player, do you think he is a definite starter in 2016? If Sam Mustafer is at center and the staff likes Tristan Hodge that much, could Steve become an Andrew Nuss-type utility inside player?
0: No, I think Elmer's a definite starter, and I think, I'm not just guessing that, if you think of Christian Lombard, at his best before his back injury, and then Kelly stuck with him through the back injury when they had McGlinchey as an option, and, and Kelly even noted, look, it's close, I'm going to the senior. Yeah. And, it, and you know, if, if, if you're a try-hard guy like Lombard, and you're fighting through injuries like Lombard was, and your other choice is a redshirt freshman, Kelly's going to stick with the senior, and Elmer's healthy. I think Elmer's probably better at guard than Mustafar Raj would be next year for sure. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. And I don't think just because we haven't seen these other guys play it doesn't mean they're better than the guy we see a couple words <laughs> on. It means they're oh probably no, not. it means they're probably not. So no, I do understand the question. I don't think the question is out there. I you know if you ha- I think if Alex Bars was your backup, let's say you only lost one alignment instead of two. So let's say Nick Martin's back and Alex Bars is your only back up, right. maybe he would then work his way in. Then that's a good conversation. But you are not have. doing this, no. With, yeah, with must- He's much. a
1: thirty-game yeah. starter. Yeah. There is no way. Nor, uh, you know, Harry. He stands like Steve Elmer from the very beginning to the point where you know, square peg, round hole with Elmer at, at tackle, yeah. and stuck with him. So I would say there is as long as Steve Elmer's on the team, he's a starter. I yeah, he started anything. thirty
2: games. Andrew not and started zero <laughs> games. So it's like there's, it's a different. But I I agree with O'Malley here. Like if if there was. If they were returning four starters, yes. and then it was a bars Elmer, you could have that conversation during spring practice.
1: Jay Scleric asks: Josh Adams had the best true freshman season. This is a fill in the blank. Josh Adams had the best true freshman season for the Irish since,
0: if it means any player since Jalen Smith uh, a couple <laughs> years ago. But if it's uh, and if it's offensive player, I think Pete mentioned before this, Michael Floyd. Yeah, but I assume this is asking for running backs, right? Which. You would go. You, it depends on your favorite. And from, it's it's a good question because we don't
1: really know. And you got three different answers to yeah. it.
0: Yeah, Jalen Smith is the answer if it's best freshman season since. But if not, if it's running back, I mean, you go Darius in 04 when he was the best player on the offense. Uh, Pete mentioned Julius Jones in '99. Um, well, part of that was kick returning, and obviously the running back, Audrey Denson. Uh, Denson, was a eight touchdown, six yards a carry guy as a freshman on a great running team.
2: Yeah, it's hard. I mean it's a it's an interesting question because like. Josh Adams was he was a complimentary player for most of the year, and then ProSides gets hurt, and he has some really good opportunities and, and takes advantage of them. Um, You know, most of his work, like the Stanford game, he was amazing. Yeah, and Pitt, um, he was really good. Pitt, yeah. yeah, Pitt, he was really good. Um, You know, it's like, I'd, you know, probably Darius. I'd, I'd, I'd yeah. settle at Darius, yeah. I feel, you know, but... Josh Adams was on a much who Josh Adams was on a much better team that won a lot more games. Right, so right. You, know, but, you know, do you do you downgrade that because he was running behind a better line and than Darius Walker was? Or do you upgrade that because Notre Dame won a lot more games than they did in 2003? Yeah, I'm not sure what the what the best way to to look at that is. This is a good question all around. Kudos.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Irish <laughs> Texas asks, are there any changes you're hearing to the coaching staff? Not so much firing Brian Van Gorder, but reassignments. Or different positioning or emphasis seems like a reach to expect Quinn to stick around in his role, which is a good point. Yeah, the last point. The last point. point.
2: I I have not heard anything on this front, um, and the way they're out there recruiting makes me think that there there won't be a change. Right. Um, You know, there are some other staffs who have reshuffled things, like Ohio State was one of them. Uh, You know, Ed Warner's now coaching tight ends, and they hired a new offensive line coach, and Tim Hinton retired, but... You know, it's like if there was if you're gonna make a change because you feel like you have to make a change to upgrade your staff, then waiting around to signing day doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Because you wanna you wanna sell your improved staff. If you're gonna make a change because somebody takes a better job, then you try to convince them to wait till after signing day. That happened at Ohio State last year with the running backs coach who I think went to the Bears. So um you know, is is Jeff Quinn gonna stick around for another year? I don't know the particulars of his contract right. and buyout from Buffalo. He may not f- feel like he needs to go make a whole lot yeah. of money right now because he's still getting paid by the University of Buffalo. Because I believe he signed a contract extension in the calendar year that he was fired. Um, so you would think that would have been more than a one-year extension. Yeah. Does he get paid for 10 more years? To yeah. Get <laughs> like, <So. laughs> I don't think his buyout was quite <laughs> you know
0: his Agent I, wasn't
1: there. <laughs> I. I I like Scott Booker a lot as a person but man if you don't make a if you don't make a special teams change after the the completely one-sided fiesta bowl between Ohio State and Notre then you're never going to make a change. But they
0: did have their best special teams year as a whole too. That's true. No, a I yeah, a wide margin. Margin. yeah. yeah it's, I mean maybe, maybe it shouldn't true. have been by such a wide margin but it was. It was <laughs> no. it was improved across the board. Now they have a great young kicker, a great young punter and just played better. I mean they had a great young return man. But mm-hmm. you're right; they got depanced. Yeah, there's no State. question.
2: And like the tight end position was, I mean, it was a disappointment for a bunch of different reasons yeah. this year. Yeah. In, in, injury being the biggest one. Sure. but po- um, that position needs to take a huge step forward. And there's, well, no, I think, it's about to. There's no yes. reason yeah. that Booker and Quinn, like, because that was the way that was described to us that Quinn was essentially coaching the tight ends a lot right. um, this year. That doesn't need to change. And I think it's tough to now if the tight ends play like that
0: next year then there's a huge issue. But just like I, I can't give Booker or anybody else credit for Tyler Eifert being a great tight end, I'm not going to downgrade him too much for not getting anything out of this group when Jerome Smythe goes down and Jones isn't ready to block and Chase Hounchel's your best blocker. And he's yeah. a you know, it's I don't, it doesn't mean he did a good job. A it, it just didn't have a lot type. to work with this year, tight end, once Smythe went down.
1: I, I'm not sure... Luatua may have reached his cap yeah. of ability, but Durham Smythe hasn't. No, and no, I and certainly LSA Jones, Jones yeah. has
0: not. This is a good year to look at the tight ends and see what we yeah. have in coaching there.
2: Yeah. All right, our last question is from ND Squid23. Super early, but with the losses of pro size Fuller, Stanley, and Martin on offense and Smith and Dan defense, what are Notre Dame's realistic expectations for 2016? A regression seems likely, but do the Irish have enough to win double digit games next year? Is that just wishful thinking?
1: You know, you can look at it a couple different ways. I mean, if you just look at roster, you say, okay, it's difficult to duplicate what they did in 2015. We knew for a couple years that was a year that they would be pointing to, and we've speculated all along that 2016 would be a drop-off. Then you start looking at the schedule, and I, and I, I really hesitate to put too much weight on that now because so much can happen both for Notre Dame as well as their 12 opponents. But as the story from a couple weeks ago, you know, Brian Kelly against substandard teams, he generally oh, right. wins. No, now they're, racing, they're, they're facing three teams that, that only lost twice this past year. Michigan State, Navy, Stanford. I doubt any of those three duplicates the kind of year they had in 2015. Brand new starting quarterbacks. Absolutely. So, and you know, and a lot of telling across the board there as well. So, I mean, difficult to say. I, I think that there's, you know... I, I they lost 45% of their offensive touchdowns when ProSice and, and Fuller walked out the door, yet your quarterback situation going in is better. Your running back situation is still very good because you have Tarian Folston coming back. I don't know. There's a lot of variables that are out there. It'll be interesting to see.
0: I have two things on this. And one, now I'm actually ruining my column that's about to come out because I'm going to talk about the whole you thing right ruin here. You are it, Tim. Yeah, I know. Well, you guys don't need to read it anymore. But regression seems likely. Last year at this time I looked – Notre Dame was twenty to one to win the national title in January. They are fourteen to one today. <laughs> Just uh, those odds are ridiculous. Now, when Everett Golson, this is going to sound even funnier, left the team, they dropped to twenty two to one. They were a lot better without Everett Golson. So we don't know is the correct answer. But here, here's the other part with the schedule. We can't look at schedules because do you remember last January when we were all sitting here saying Notre Dame is going to murder Georgia Tech in Texas, but it's going to take the fourth quarter to beat BC Temple. And, and Virginia, and, and Virginia. so we don't know. <laughs> and it doesn't. No, it's really. It doesn't matter if Michigan State's not as good. They might be good that day. You know. It, or, or how about this? Wake Forest is going to hold Notre Dame by 150 yards to the lowest yardage total. We weren't saying that in August. Yeah, you know, no it,
1: it's crazy. I look. I look at the coaches: Mark D'Antonio, David Cutcliffe, David Shaw, Mark Richt. I mean, you know, just on the surface, yeah. Fuente's going to Virginia yeah. Tech. Um, you know how, how's Clay Helton going to do at USC is the full-time guy. Uh, I I thought Dave Dorn would do a better job at NC State than he right. has, but but that's a, a road trip they haven't been to, and then you open at Texas. You did, you
2: did. Why didn't you mention Brian Polian? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Brian Polian is a very good coach, <laughs> but I, I'm a little sensitive yeah. about saying much about. You have him, to mention him. Um, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I think you know every offseason some teams are described as like this team's gonna be better, but their record's gonna be the same as the year before mm-hmm. 'cause which was like a little bit disappointing. I think Notre Dame is gonna be the opposite. Yeah. They're it's not gonna done. be as good, but their record might be the same. That's They might finish ten and two, but I mean there's it's impossible for Notre Dame to be as good next year as they were this year, just from a talent perspective, right. with everything they're losing. That's just like that's just logic. But that doesn't mean they can't win ten games. Um I think next year's team feels like a team that's going to challenge to win double-digit games, but unlike this year, that that play doesn't get made at the end of the Temple game. That play doesn't get made at the end of Virginia game. They, they maybe lose a game you shouldn't, um, but I, I think a, a ten-win season is certainly within the realm of possibility. Who, who, you know, this is too
1: early to start talking about this, but we'll throw it out there. Who leads this team next year?
0: Yeah, but that's a good... Kaiser. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, Kaiser is a, well, yeah. Whoever wins the soor- yeah, starting quarterback yeah, no. job will be Kaiser active. and Zaire are right.
1: both right. quality leaders or look to have the potential to be leaders of this program. But, you know, you don't have Nick Martin. I don't know that Ronnie Stanley was a, quote, leader per se, but he led by his physical ability. Certainly mm-hmm. Will Fuller led by his Joe physical with abilities. Joe Schmidt led by
2: his yeah. emotional... It you will know, be who wins the quarterback job. And it will be Isaac Rochelle, definitely Isaac yeah. Rochelle.
0: And that's not to take away from any of them, but who wins the quarterback job? And Isaac Rochelle compared to Nick Martin, Ronnie Stanley, Matthias Farley, Joe Schmidt, Jarrett Grace, and Jalen Smith—that's a bit of a vacuum. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it, it is.
2: It's just—it's not—it's not a great. I think pot yeah. for the the coaching staff to look at and be like, okay, we're going to pick out leaders here and there. It's this is going to be a long off season of Brian Kelly talking about leadership and him talking about how you really have to develop it and work out. Right. And he's right because they don't have yeah. a whole lot of natural personalities from where I sit and where I could say like, yeah, this is a guy, you know, I think James on a is, mm-hmm. is somebody yeah, who sets a really, really yeah. good yeah. example. Yeah. I don't know how vocal he would be in that kind of situation. Um, so I mean, you could throw him into the mix. I mean, you just look at. There's not going to be a whole lot of fifth-year seniors. There's going to be run around. Too, I just wrote a story about it.
0: Well, it's, it's yeah. going to be always, Bailey and Jerron Jones.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm always curious to you know who's <laughs> What's the that leader. Because <laughs> Jerron yeah, yeah. Jones needs to just yeah. play, yes, and he he's not a leader per se. It's not a rip on him. A bit. I'm always interested in who's the leader on the offensive line. Clearly, it's Mike McGlinchey. Although, I probably, mean... yeah, I think right? you're
2: probably right, yeah.
1: I mean, Nelson's not, you know, Nelson's still yeah, feeling his quiet, way personality-wise, and, I you know, I mean, Steve's Elmer's like fighting Steve Elmer his, and Corey
2: Robinson are similar, and, like, they've got a lot of interests, and, you know, football is not... A great teammate doesn't make a great leader. Yeah, I mean, they don't yeah. maybe live and die with it in the way that a Nick Marker So, can, did. can it be
1: a great offensive lineman with Mike McGlinchey as a leader? I'm not saying it can't, and I like Mike a lot, personally, but, I mean, is that... Does he have what it takes to be the leader of the offensive line the way Nick Martin was? I don't. On the surface, I, I don't think. I mean, so, no, I wouldn't but,
0: think so either. maybe by Nick, maybe in his fifth year. You know, what's interesting is I don't know if you can choose your your quarter. All right, I, their quarterback is going to be a good leader, either Zaire or Kaiser, right? And the team will rally around them both. You're Brian Kelly. You can't name one of those guys your captain. You might not win the job. No, he might get benched and replaced. You know, it's you lose it. Chris Brown it's, yeah. was a
1: leader on the 2015 yeah, team. You there's yeah, there's another guy. Either,
0: lose. yeah, there's they did they lost the more. Le- comment, but they lost more leaders than I can remember. Someone losing
2: Isaac whole, Rochelle man. is a
1: hands down captain. Yeah,
2: yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think it, it'll be a quarterback. It'll be a Rochelle, maybe. And if you it's want to go a four, you, a could, quarterback. you could throw on a Walu in there. Um, you know, it, in what kind of off is somebody like a Torrey Hunter going to have?
0: Yeah. Uh, and Kelly yeah. Love respects him. All the the way coaching around. staff yeah.
2: really likes him yeah. a lot. Um, I think he's got some good locker room credibility as well. Um, you know, he's going to be a league. It's this is a, a the receiver position right now is there for Torrey Hunter Jr. to take it over. Maybe he's the guy that that you know steps up and is that kind of surprise leader that you know you don't really talk about during the year or the off season, and then we're sitting there and and that's the thing with the quarterback. Yeah. They'll probably name captains after, after. they name a quarterback. <laughs> right, right. So if you're just like quarterback TBD, yeah. um, I think they'd probably be okay I with think that. you just say the quarterbacks are captains.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Kaiser and Zaire are captains. This won't be right. weird at all. <laughs> right. it's, well, it's funny because yeah. Zaire is like the number one every fan and probably writer looks at last year in August and be like, that's the captain next year. Might not start. It's hard to be the captain.
2: Yeah. yeah. And then Kaiser is the same way now. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, that's a conversation we're going to be having for the next Eight and a half months. Um, so maybe we can pick it up again next Monday for our next podcast. <laughs> on January 25th, we'll talk a little bit more recruiting as things wind down the stretch with National Signing Day coming up on February 3rd. So until then, you've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley.